This is the Lunchtime Podcast. Normally a 30-minute or so show, which is pre-recorded, but it's today with a live audience. Woo! And not from our studio, where we record normally, which is a few floors down, Mm -hmm. but from a beautiful cinema with a beautiful view of Rotterdam. Which is indeed. But Lorenzo, did you know where this cinema is, where this cinema comes from? Um, No, tell me. Well, actually, it was opened in 1961. Really? uh, After the building that opened in 1953. And it opened because the idea was that because of the war, a lot of students uh, couldn't get a job because there was no job, they had no education. So the idea was to work over here so that uh, they could have earned some cash. There were actually 12 economic students that worked here. Really? Is it coincidence? (laughs) <laughs> well, you could say it's some sort of a restart. Yeah, exactly. Well, tonight we have two amazing guests, uh, and we're going to talk about the future of education with our uh, guests. And uh, let's introduce our first guest to the stage. Yes, our first guest is Bob de Witt. And Bob de Witt is a professor of strategic leadership department at the Nairobi Business Universiteit and director of strategy work. Bob is author of 18 books and 49 articles. And in 1949, he co-authored a strategic management book, which has sold over 350,000 copies, which is still being used in more than 200 universities globally as textbook. I actually heard that the other guests had, had learned from, um, from Bob's his book at the Erasmus. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, Bob is a Rotterdam native. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob de Witt. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. Uh, in your hometown, right? In my hometown. Born Is it and for raised. <laughs> Born and raised, really? Born and raised, yeah. Nice, nice. All right, uh, I'm going to introduce our next guest, and then we're going to uh, head off with our conversation. Uh, our next guest is Theodore Katanichu, and I really had to learn his uh, last name because it's really difficult, but Katanichu. Um, Katan- Theodore Katanichu builds people uh, and ideas. is featured by Forbes, TEDx, and many others in his work uh, on Restart Network. Uh, their mission is to empower refugees and people from low-income and minority backgrounds to become their best selves and start uh, some uh, career in the tech industry. They are located in the Cambridge Innovation Center, which is also a few floors down on the fourth uh, floor. And he calls himself an informed optimist with a deep-seated passion to turn bold ideas into reality. Wow. Theodore. Thank you, thank you very much. Welcome Theodore as well. It's great to be here, thank you for having me. It's not your hometown, right? That's uh, no. It's uh, let me just say uh, thank you to all these uh, to all these people for making it tonight. Um, it's uh, really good to be here with uh, all of you. Nice to have uh, the both of you and um, uh, have a conversation about the future of education. Uh, but before before we start off with our conversation, first our alternative facts, exactly. which are a couple of statements that you can only answer yes or no, and if you want to elaborate, you have to do it afterwards. Well, the first one: education uh, should be free. Yes. Should be uh, open. Only yes or no. Yes or no, uh, Theodore? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In the future, we do not need education anymore. No. Yes. Learning skills are more important than learning a mindset. Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Skills, in the end, are more important than degrees. Yes. 
No. <laughs> All right, this is gonna be a good conversation. Uh, robots are gonna take over everything anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Of course. The Netherlands houses the best education of the world. No. All right, all right. Well, we have some yes and no's. No. Mm. No? All right. Uh, do we want to elaborate on one of these facts before we begin? About the robots. Yeah? Please, tell me. Well, um, I think that uh, we underestimate the importance of uh, new technologies on, uh, on our society. And, um, and we overestimate the abilities of uh, human beings to do things. Uh, we are creating a new organism on this planet, uh, which is smarter than uh, human beings, uh, who are stronger than human beings. And I think they will take over uh, a lot of things from uh, human life. Yep. So we don't have to get educated anymore in the future? Uh, well, we statement? have to be educated in a different way. Yeah? We don't have to learn the things that robots will take over. Right. And what are those things that robots will take over first? Um, well, you know, the, um, the main thing is, of course, that um, it, it's a combination of, of all kinds of technologies, but mainly robotization and, um, and artificial intelligence. And uh, they are taking over a lot of uh, jobs, especially in the, higher, in, in the higher ranks, in the university ranks. Uh, so for accountants and bankers, you know, that, that kind of things will be taken over by, uh, by technology. Because their robots can do uh, can do surgeries like a thousand times more precise than a doctor. Yeah, there was already a surgery in uh, in Maastricht. That was a surgery which too precise for a human being to do, and it has really? been done by a robot. Now, if if a robot can take over the most uh, the more the most uh, difficult ones, yeah, uh, it's easy that uh, to understand that it will take the easy ones. Did it succeed the surgery? Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, Theodore, you said no. The Netherlands don't. You, you, you actually, you would like no. But, but your house in the Netherlands. So here's the thing. Um, I was born in Romania. I was educated in uh, the Netherlands. Uh, but I had a chance to, you know, experience education throughout both in Europe and the United States. And um, I said no, but I thought about it because it has a lot of advantages. To start with, you're not in debt for most of your life for going to school over here. Um, education, which is very good compared to most other countries. The reason I hesitated is that the um, opportunities that you have um, building a career in the Netherlands um, in certain fields, especially entrepreneurship and technology, um, might not be as attractive as the opportunities you'd have across the pond in the United States. That is where my answer originated. That being said, great fan of uh, my alma mater at Rasmus University, and uh, I think the Dutch uh, did a lot of good things um, on making education open and accessible, and that's very important. And that's, that's what you're doing with Restart Network, right? But could you tell us a little bit more? How, how does how, you're my hero, first off? Um, but Stop how in the world here. are you? How in the Bob, your mind, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> how in the world are you earning money? Because your education is free. It's true. Uh, our students um, go through a one-year-long program completely tuition-free. Um, that is to say, uh, we as a nonprofit are trying to have social impact, but by no means we're trying to uh, be or believe in charity. We're trying to create value in the world. Um, I don't believe in philanthropy or nonprofits um, living on donations. 
Uh, we run a completely free program today, um, thanks to the value we create in the world. That is, uh, from the companies that get to hire our graduates uh, that are doing amazing jobs and building amazing products, um, these companies make it possible for future students um, to go through the program completely for free. It's all uh, value-based um, and based on the success of the students. Mm -hmm. And Bob, can you tell us a bit more about how Nairo does that differently or how the world uh, and for of the more common universities that didn't start out as a startup uh, has changed in the, in the recent years? Can you give a global overview of that? Um, yeah, well, Nairo is a little bit of a different university in the Netherlands uh, because it's the only private university. In other countries, more usual that, that's, that they're private, but in the Netherlands, we have only state universities and one private university, so there's a difference. Um, but you see a lot of a uh, lot of changes um, in uh, in higher education, um, and and to characterize that is that um, uh, in in previous times we used to, uh, to, uh, to to use education to elevate people to a higher level. That's what we, what what we did. So we we gave education in terms of arts and history and humanities and philosophy and all that, because the main idea was to elevate people to a higher level. Um, now. Um, the last, especially the last 60 years, uh, we have been changing that whole idea of, of a higher education uh, to prepare them for taking a job, you know, and, and that's something else. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we changed human life into a human resource. So, we, so the higher education has been, uh, has been changed uh, to develop people to have a job uh, and, and treat them as a human resource in a sort of industrial machine. Um, now. Uh, what I said before about robots, uh, a lot of those, especially those uh, jobs, are going to be taken over by technology. Which means that basically we have to go back to previous times we, we, where we have to elevate people and become a better human being and not a human resource anymore. And that's one very fundamental change in, um, uh, in, in, in edu education. And, and we are not, in, in general, we are not very good in that because um, uh, we have a very good system in the world in terms of education, but it was the kind of education that prepares people to get a job, yeah, to be mm -hmm. a human resource. And I see the innovation power at the moment in the Netherlands is, is far too low, far too low. Why? Be, because we are so happy with the system that we have and we have all kinds of rules and regulations and you know and and laws and it has, has there's been a big wall be, be, uh, uh, for 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 protecting the current system and 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 breaking that wall is actually quite uh, quite difficult to do do you want to break the wall yeah i think it's necessary to do that because uh, if we want it or not uh, the world is going to change very rapidly in the next 10 years so if if we don't change very fast we are too late because we're ed actually educating people for jobs that are maybe disappeared within five or ten years. Yeah. And so how can we fill the gap uh, for, for the jobs that are disappearing and appearing uh, in the new society? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you have society. To, yeah, so I have a change from, uh, from the kind of jobs uh, that, that are going to disappear in the future because of technology. And we have to prepare people for different things. Uh, and there are actually two things that are very important. Uh, one is the technology itself, so you have to understand uh, how it works. I think that you do also a lot of work for that, uh, Theodore. Uh, and the other is that uh, we go back to elevating people because a lot of things uh, we have to do ourselves. You know, we, are th we have to build human communities again. And for building human communities, you have to elevate the people and make a sort of uh, society from, from us and not from yeah. some kind of uh, government who tells us what to do. 
Well, actually, we—it's not a coincidence. We put you uh, together because oh. on on the other yeah, on your side, Nairobi is like the the elite uh, private school, uh, which costs a lot of money, and you on the other side is uh, education free for everyone, uh, for everyone to attend. So it's like yin and yang. Everyone in need, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, just to build up on what uh, Bob has been saying so far, and um, of course he's right. Uh, technology is changing our world at uh, ever faster um, paces. And you know the topic of this evening, we all came here to talk about the future of education. Um, I think a fundamental thing we have to get out of the way at the very beginning is to understand what is the present of education. Um, so then we can really think about what we're about to change. Mm -hmm. um, formal education, the kind that um, you know Bob is part of, that most of us over here kind of uh, you know um, got through, which is a bachelor's degree, a master's degree. Um, has three main components that we have to look at. Um, the first component that was historically important was access, access to professors, libraries, facilities. Um, the second important component is recognition, what I like to call the bullshit stamp. Um, you know, society deems you valuable because you have your bachelor's, your master's. Uh, um, you know who's uh, next to you, right? <laughs> and, and, and this is something that, uh, you know, no matter if you're from the academia or outside, what I mean to say by that, it shows that, you know, uh, for a couple of years, you were uh, at least most of the time on time, you did your homework, you passed your exam, um, it gives you sort of a recognition. That is important in our society, and you would be crazy not to accept that. Uh, it's like saying money has no value. Um, you're not going to get very far um, not accepting that reality. And the third and most, uh, let's say, important part of education um, is opportunity. The fact that you get to befriend people who are smart, affluent, well-networked, uh, the fact that uh, you're able to join um, study trips to the French Alps in the winter and uh, consulting projects to Bolivia in the summer, uh, quoting an example from um, 10 minutes away from here where I had the privilege to go. These kind of opportunities only happen, the type of friendships, uh, the fact that today I work in a company I started with a good friend I met in college, uh, the fact that uh, in the room today it's my beautiful girlfriend who I met in college, um, it shows the kind of opportunity um, that I had for attending such a big space. On access, we won this fight because uh, it started with the internet and the digital age. We were given this digital promise of uh, you know, MOOCs and online massive open uh, courses that are going to change education. It didn't happen. A MOOC, uh, a MOOC for, for the people a massively who don't know. Open a massively open online course. Uh, yeah. It's All usually right. a free um, type of uh, course that you'd have at university level broadcasted over the internet. Only 4% uh, or around that number actually finish one of these courses. And most of them are already having experience in that field. Mm. I didn't really shake the formal establishment in any way. But the victory was somewhere else. The fact that we now have access to learn for free. And that on itself won't disrupt formal education, but it's an important contributor. The second important factor to consider is on recognition. Degrees are still important, no matter how much we fought them. Uh, a lot of our students at Restart still want to go back to school to get a degree, even if they really? can go into a full-time job. It's important because your family values it. Your mother says, you know, but you don't have a diploma. You have, you're not a complete human being. Um, so it's, it's a societal pressure. It so. is in a, in a very wide sense from society, from a big perspective, but from the, from the employer perspective uh, as well. Uh, simply, uh, a lot of people are looking for those diplomas. They're demanding and indicator. the... Yeah, because the, the first line in job opening is what is the type of Your education you have to... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah but, yeah, but at the same time, it's only the first step, you know, because it's more of a, a test that, that you have that level and that you have the personality to, uh, to, to get an entrance to, to that job market. Of course. It's not a be-all uh, kind of uh, achievable. Um, what I meant to say on this topic, and this uh, is, I'm curious what Bob's perspective is um, on it as well. 
is that with the you know increase of universities and schools of all sorts, um, the market is flooded with a lot of bachelors and masters. And I would even argue that in European countries, the the reality uh, uh, the reality is that the new high school diploma becomes a master's degree because everyone kind of has one um, in our community. Um, the value of degrees is decreasing, and this is an incredible opportunity for us to find another way to recognize achievement that is outside the establishment of formal education, where if you don't have a bachelor's, you're unsuccessful, um, and if you do have one, you know, you put a tick. That's something that we have to discuss, and it's important, uh, an important conversation to have today, uh, because it will um, be a chain reaction to a lot of other things later. But like with technology like MOOCs and technology like uh, attending courses like video courses and stuff, that could make education free. iTunes U, for example. Yeah, uh, iTunes University. That could make it more free. Like you, you shouldn't, like there is a, like being free is also accessibility, right? So if you're living somewhere, well, let's say uh, in Poland. Really remote or. Really remote. Then you can still go to Nairobi, but digitally. So that was what was fashionable to be said in education circles a couple of years ago. Um, this promise has been nullified. Um, but again, uh, building up on uh, Bob's thesis from earlier, um, you know, the future is happening or with or without us. Uh, automation is claiming jobs from accountants to uh, our Teslas are not uh, being made by, uh, by, uh, by uh, biological operators, but by robotic arms. And soon we'll probably be banned from driving them as well. Um, that's why you know one of my big beliefs and one of the most important things I have to say tonight is that we have to change our perception for training people um, to have certain skills, um, for training people to have certain careers, um, to making sure that they can reinvent themselves and they have this ability and mindset to always find something new to do and be able to adopt that fast. Because if there's only one thing we can tell about the future, the future by default is unpredictable uh, by definition, is that it's going to change a lot. Change, and it's going to yeah. change faster. So that's the only thing we know, and that's the only thing we can prepare for today. So that's one of the keywords, yeah, adopting or adopt yourself and, and um, uh, create something new from yourself. That's the only keyword we so should be talking about when we talk one. about the future. But, okay. but also has a consequence for, uh, for the uh, diplomas themselves. You know, the, the masters are important, but it's only a basis. Uh, it goes on. Uh, one of the changes that we see at, uh, at Nairo, but also in my, in my own life, is that, um, that people have a diploma, but, but then a learning continues. You know, a sort of permanent education all your life. So uh, things are going so fast that you cannot just one, get one diploma and then uh, be, be, uh, um, be, be sure that it will not change and that will be enough for the rest of your life. Exactly. It, it's only one step. And it and it continues at, at Nairo. The executive education, postgraduate education, is getting more important than graduate ed education. That's a big change, and that's and that is also makes sense because things are going so fast that um, that that you have to uh, to maintain that knowledge uh, all the time. I also see it, for example, in my book. Um, I get a new edition. This is the seventh edition of the book, um, and we make an edition every three years. That's becoming a problem because uh, it takes one year to to uh, to hand in the manuscripts uh, before it's being published, and it takes two uh, three years for for selling it. Then the book is four years old. Mm -hmm. So we have even to make a new business model for a book. So mm -hmm. we have to make a new business model for a book. We have to make a new business model for education. We have to make a new business model for for how we uh, deal with people in classroom because it's more gamif gamification. It's more play. It's more you know. Uh, small groups, more assignments, closer to uh, practice. 
it's a fundamental change in every aspect. Well, what I think is that the, that the middle group, so on, on the top we have all the, uh, all the, peop- the entrepreneurs, and really if you're an entrepreneur, you can adapt yourself. I mean, that's your job as an entrepreneur and solve problems. Uh, but I think in the, the big majority of people, uh, there are a lot of uh, jobs going to disappear um, in, the, in the coming years because of this change. Yep. Of course, we've seen in the past that when jobs disappear, um, uh, let's say for in, in, the, in the industrial revolution, uh, we were afraid that machines would do what our hands did. And now we're afraid that computers do what our minds do. And of course, we've seen in the past that uh, there will be more jobs created as well. But how can we uh, close the gap between the practicing companies, which are becoming bigger and bigger? I mean, the separation between big companies and small entrepreneurs or solo freelancers uh, is getting bigger and bigger. How can we close the gap with education uh, between the big companies and the people? So there's one thing to, to start with from here. It's exactly this change of perception, perception from skills, preparing people with skills to go to companies, mm. versus preparing people with mindsets and experiences, with habits to go to companies. Um, in our program, um, companies take half of the teaching. So we teach them for half of the time, for six months, whereas our students are taught for half of the other time by the companies. What I tell to all my students on the first day is that what you're going to learn today here, uh, the programming languages, the methodologies, you are certain to do something different in five years from now. And this is maybe more true in the technology industry than in uh, any other industry. So if you get one skill out of your time with us, is to be self-sufficient, is to have the independence to go out there and learn a new skill. As long as schools are going to continue preparing people for whatever we teach today or whatever is the methodology today, and that is the purpose of your exam and the purpose of your success in that um, environment, we will widen this gap simply because the rate of change is, is constantly accelerating as well. So we must change our perception on what success is in the school system. Mm. Right? We have a school system where if we make mistakes, um, you lose points. You have no chance to reflect on your mistakes. If I ever was successful in anything in my life was because I made mistakes and because I, w- I was able to learn something from it or it gave me another opportunity. That in school uh, would have you know, made me fail a, uh, fail a grade. Um, the fact that we never talk, it doesn't matter if it's uh, primary school, middle school, university, um, up to um, post-graduation uh, studies, we never talk about our strengths, about uh, you know, what we're good at. Uh, we all assume we all must have the same level in maths and we all mm-hmm. must have the same level in physics, but we never look at you know, whether we're better doing marketing or we're better being software developers Mm -hmm. and I think that is a fundamental flaw of again this perception of building skills rather than building mindsets Mm -hmm. I'm interested how how, how you see this topic yeah yeah, I I agree with that but there's also danger for it I I agree with you because um, uh, we try to make one big cake you know so the same kind of cake for everyone uh, which 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 fits to the industrial age you know because everyone has to fit into a machine that was there uh, that's going to change. So we have to look at the specific qualities of individuals, um, and that that's a change. At the same time, uh, we have to recognize that uh, in in the in the future um, there will not be as many jobs as we have now. You know, the whole idea that there will be a job for almost everyone. You know, we have forget that because that's not going to happen anymore. And uh, I know that. It has been said previously also that new technology takes away jobs and there come new jobs. That has been always Mm -hmm. the case. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and and again, the new job. There will be new jobs that are not here anymore uh, uh, yet. So I know that. So there's a change. But you know, that kind of mass employment is not going to happen anymore because we have now a, an, an, a serious competitor of a human being, which is called an intelligent robot, um, and um, and they are better in most of the things that we do. So we have to prepare for a society in which uh, work is not the basis of our living. You know. Uh, that's a different kind of society. And it also means that for, for some of the top people, it will be okay. For some people who have unique uh, capabilities, it will be okay. But we have to get used to the, to the idea that for, for many people, there will not be a job. Uh, and we have to build a different kind of society for those people. But what, what will that affect yeah, the society? It, it will mean that we will have more time to to be human yeah to, to make it positive to yeah. be creative yeah because we have outsourced education we have outsourced elderly uh, care we have outsourced uh, you know everything mostly even uh, shopping and and you know going out with your dog i mean um, we have to go back to to a more integral uh, human life in which we do care for our people and, and for our parents and for our children and and we do our shopping and you know it's well that that's a different kind uh, as it used to be but that has also negative implications right for the economic system for example the whole system is going to change the whole society is going to change um, you know but the the things that i've been talking about uh, the last year particularly is that we think we are in an industrial revolution. Uh, this is very, very often called the fourth industrial revolution. And I think it's a fourth societal revolution. It's much more fundamental than people think. And with that revolution also goes uh, education. We have to, to, to learn people to, to go along and be prepared for a society different from, uh, from now. But do you think we, ha we have to change something in primary and secondary school of only in the in the uh, uh, universities um, I think at, at, at every level uh, really yeah I think so because you know it, it is also when uh, when my brought my my daughter to to school when she was four uh, the first thing uh, she's there over by the way uh, is that um, she has to learn uh, discipline to be on time you know everything was already when you were four and and it goes on because you have to be prepared to be a sort of robot-like uh, kind of uh, um, uh, human being in, in society. So the whole routine, also y you have to learn things that are useless to think, uh, to, to, to learn at the moment mm -hmm. at school. Bookkeeping, for example. Why yeah. would you take a sort of grade for bookkeeping? Um, so Neuro the content will be different, the discipline will be different. Uh, we have to focus more on how we deal with each other. Um, there are all kinds of things that are going to be different. So I want to I want to say something. Um, sure. it's, um, it's a secret of sorts. Um, so you remember how you you brought up earlier? You talked about um, you know having free access to education and how that might change education, but it turns out to be a fad and it actually didn't change anything. I think we have a also we're going through a fad right now. Um, we have a current fashionable story to tell about education. We like to talk about the industrial revolution and how we were preparing people for a um, you know production line. How people should be replaceable, should be disciplined, should not have free. Will and should just do what they're said. We teach them math because they have to, uh, you know, make uh, calculate the breaking a wall or breaking the Enigma machine. We teach them mechanics because they have to drive tanks and they have to repair them. Um, this is a, a fashionable story, but I think this story, while I agree with everything that Bob has said and that you know technology will have a fundamental change in our life, um, it's missing out a very important reality of today. 
which is the biggest problem in the world today is not that our accountants don't have jobs or that robots are building the Teslas, but um, the fact that uh, one billion people on this planet live with under a dollar a day, that another billion live with under two. Um, the fact that we still have a tremendous amount of people who don't have access to any sort of education, not to, uh, not to talk about world-class education. Um, our belief, um, uh, what we do at Restart, is um, exactly this. Can we today, um, while acknowledging everything that Bob is saying and that we agree on, with, can we today create a school um, where you know, the son or daughter of a billionaire and the son or daughter of a Syrian refugee or someone from un an underserved background go to the same place and have access to the same type of education. And I think that is the magic of technology in the world today. We should sure fear and talk about what are the effects on the long term. But today, we have an incredible opportunity to use technology to empower a lot of people that historically would have never had a chance to either have access, to either have recognition, or to either, uh, either have opportunity. And let me tell you a very short story that I love, tel uh, I love telling. So um, it's about something that most of us have used over here. It's called Duolingo, the app. Uh, hands up if you used Duolingo before. Uh, it's a language learning app. Most of you have. It's a language oh, yeah. learning app. It allows you to uh, to learn a foreign language in a, a gamified type of way. And uh, Romanian? Uh, it's not. Uh, it's from Guatemala, actually. The oh, okay. uh, the, uh, the, <laughs> the the app. Um, uh, a guy, very smart guy, Luis Von An, uh, started it. Also, the guy who created your captchas, by the way. So if you ever had to put like a weird uh, set of uh, uh, characters on a keyboard, same guy. But um, <laughs> um, hate um, yeah. Well, he sold it to Google eventually, so he's now now <laughs> fine. But what I meant to say with that is that um, you know most of us use Duolingo. I read the, uh, recently an interview with Bill Gates, um, who is not the richest man in the world anymore, but it's up there, and he said that in his free time. He enjoys learning a new language, especially using Duolingo. And I also know from Luis, uh, which I met at the conference, that they are deploying this in Guatemalan schools and Latin American countries that do not have foreign uh, language training in schools because they're developing and, uh, well, they're not doing very well in education there. Uh, they're using Duolingo to teach uh, kids from these poor uh, neighborhoods and poor uh, communities uh, a foreign language. And you know, you have to think when you hear this that you have the richest, most powerful man in the world and you have some kids from uh, you know, some neighborhood in Guatemala using the same technology uh, to learn a skill. Think about that for a second. And that's a very simple example of how technology is leveling the field and is democratizing access, opportunity, and recognition. And I think that's what I'm very excited about in our work, to see how we can get more people to have access to those resources. Mm -hmm. Bob, do you have a, yeah, no, I, another I agree with that. It's, it's one of the, uh, it's a very important uh, challenge because so far we have been very selfish uh, making, you know, uh, the elites uh, wise and, uh, and, and rich and, and especially when we go back to, uh, to a community kind of thinking, uh, that, that's one of the objectives we have to focus on. We have to do that. Uh, technology has the potential to do that, um, yet I believe that we didn't find the, uh, the revenue model to, 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 to get it organized. Um, I agree with, uh, uh, with my neighbor that uh, there has been ex experiments with MOOCs. I have often been invited to, uh, to make a MOOC. Uh, I've been thinking about it. Uh, I know by sure that it will be take a lot of time to develop one, but I didn't know why. You know? so, uh, and it is, um, uh, it's not going to be successful because the revenue model is not clear. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, and the MOOC is a kind of, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the same system of education, but then we try to do it with a little technology. And that's not, not the way. We have to make a new model, new revenue model, new business model, new learning model, mm -hmm. and we have to, to learn from scratch. 
Uh, personally, I, I don't know yet what, what it's going to be, but we have to experiment and make it accessible for everyone in the world. Well, let me propose uh, something um, <laughs> on this oh. note. Um, so we've been talking about universal basic income for a while, um, and this ties yeah. very well in uh, Bob's point over here, which is if robots take over, uh, they will be taxed for their work, so everyone can live and have a, you know a, a, at least a decent uh, living from doing nothing. It's uh, an interesting idea coming to parallel a lot of the welfare states uh, type of ideologies in Western Europe, especially. But instead of you know universal uh, income, I'm talking about uh, universal world-class education. Uh, the idea that we would be able to create this type of world-class opportunities for anyone. Um, no matter, uh, you know, no matter their background, how big their wallets are, who their parents are. And it sounds crazy when you hear it. This is where I, I struggle the most uh, with this thing, kind of showing people what has changed um, in the past decade that would now make this possible today. Because a decade ago, you would be right to tell me that's impossible. Uh, but the changes that we see on these three pillars of formal education are now open enough for you know small organizations like ours to leverage technology and actually bring the same type of opportunity um, of universal world-class uh, education to less privileged groups. And I think that is really exciting, uh, both for now and for the future of education. So to that's a, that's a nice statement. Uh, and to round round this up because we want to have a drink uh, too. <laughs> but to round this a little uh, up, uh, one more uh, one more question for you guys. Um, if we look at the perfect world in let's say ten years, twenty years, um, and we look at the edu educational field, how does it look like? A short statement. What is your main takeaway? Well, it will be education for everyone. Um, we have to develop some kind of system in which everyone has access to it. Uh, therefore, we have to change the financial system to start with. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the sort of monopoly that we give to central banks uh, to, to create money has so to be changed to making... Uh, uh, the whole economy? Yeah, the whole with economy cryptocurrency, has to for example, and, and, and from there, you can build on um, uh, education for everyone uh, based, uh, based on technology. And also, um, we have to be more human, you know, to do things that humans do and not the things that robots do. Uh, and from there, we built a completely new society. Uh, and let's not forget that we think that we become uh, happy uh, with uh, money and, 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 and power, but actually, uh, all kinds of scientific research show that people are more happy by taking care of other people. So. Uh, if if we make that change, then we can make a better world. So, but that's a, that's a nice uh, that's a nice statement. So, to round to to summarize this, um, we have to get some robots, get all the stuff done by robots, and we can love, paint, and make a and podcast. We to, and we have to learn how to, how that works, of course. But uh, we need uh, for our world. Uh, my neighbor will like that. We <laughs> need a complete restart. Ah, very <laughs> oh, nice. That's nice. Uh, Theodore. Yeah. You know, I was always fascinated with the future because, um, you know, the future is, uh, is thing, uh, how long in the future, you asked me, what was the question? Well, t 10 to 20 years. 10 years. Well, so in 10 years, we'll, we'll only go as far as, uh, as the actions, you know, we take today and in the years to follow until year 10. That's the thing about the future. And um, the future is definitely not a place we're going to. It's not just going to happen. Uh, it's, uh, you know, all of us come from different industries, but uh, I'm assuming all of us will be uh, parents, entrepreneurs, teachers, educators, uh, you know, change makers and active citizens in our communities. And uh, my only thoughts on the future of education is that uh, the future of education will be what, uh, you know, all of us kind of contribute to it. Um, our big belief uh, in our work is that education will change for this historical conception of the school educating people to communities 
building people together. Uh, concretely, our work is putting together over 100 volunteers a year in Rotterdam. The biggest companies, NGOs, are working together to kind of offer this type of opportunities that we're talking about. And I think that has to do not as much with me as with our audience here tonight and the people listening to us um, to understand that if we want to be prepared for uh, you know, a robust taking over and for our kids to be able to uh, really achieve their potential in the world, um, we cannot trust our governments or our billionaires to solve it alone. It takes each one of us. Um, working towards this problem. Right. But let's not forget that in, in, the, in the past, uh, education has always been organized by communities. You know, that it, it's only for, for the last hundred years that that is it's sort of outsourced to the government. But before that time, there were communities who organized uh, the, uh, the education. And only for smaller groups, that has to be expanded to everyone. But the whole idea that, that education is a responsibility for everyone is, is not a new idea. We just have to reset. I think that's a nice, uh, nice ending to this uh, podcast. And before we gonna end up with some questions from the audience, maybe there are some questions. Uh, let's round this podcast up and uh, thank some people. First off, Bob De Witt, thank you very much for uh, for your story and for uh, your contribute to this uh, to this topic. Welcome. Thank you. Yep. We would also like to thank the Venture Cafe team for helping us organize this uh, wonderful Theodore. event. First Theodore. Uh, Theodore, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Come on. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Theodore, thank thanks. You. Thank you to all of you. Thank you. And Lorenzo for helping me. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, we also like to thank Venture Cafe uh, for helping organizing this uh, and put everything together and for the drinks afterwards. Um, um, and thank CSC for having us here and Studio Three Times today for our cover artwork and for you, the, the audience, audience, for listening. Yeah, great. Thank yeah, you for thank coming. You thank you. Hope you liked it.